A very, very hearty welcome on this rather rainy Gauteng afternoon. You are listening to Professor David Black, and our broadcast every week is entitled Looking Up with David Block. And I think that's just awesome that in your domain and mine, as we walk the streets of Gauteng, as we may walk the streets of Chicago, Wherever this global stream might find you today, there's a need in our hearts, in our minds, in our beings, in our spirits to look up. Somehow so many people are deflated. I remember looking at a Facebook page just two days ago and this young girl said, but I feel just so deflated and that's why I come along Every Tuesday to encourage you to look up from a scientific perspective, from the perspective of the big, the macrocosm, to the perspective of your world and my world on terra firma, planet Earth, the microcosm. And every week is different. Every week, you know, last week was time and the grandeur of time and the splendor of time and the awesomeness of time and the mask of time. But, of course, I know very well, uh, as a professor in the field of mathematics and applied mathematics, that music is terribly important to how we feel. Somehow music encapsulates how we feel. It almost, in a sense, I suppose, uh, determines our very moods, our, how we are feeling. Somehow, I see um, sitting next to our producer, Palesa, is someone bopping up and down, uh, obviously uh, highly excited with the music, and she's like on a little uh, a ball bopping up and down uh, in accordance with third, Newton's third law, Duncan, and um, who's my audio engineer this afternoon. And so I thought we'd concentrate this week on the world of music. But before I do that, allow me to give you some uh, contact details so that you can reach us live here in the Cliff Central Studios in Ravonia in, in Johannesburg. To reach us in studio, you simply dial 0861-555-189. Allow me to repeat, you dial 0861, then 555, then... One eight nine. The Twitter handle is at cliffcentral.com, Instagram cliffcentral, Facebook cliffcentral, and the WeChat ID is cliffcentral. Should you wish to follow me on Twitter, I have a handle too, and my handle is at Starry Galaxy Man. That's at Starry Galaxy Man. One word. And if you want to follow me on my webpage, it's www.davidblock, one word, D-A-V-I-D-B-L-O-C-K dot C-O dot Z-A. I have known our guest, Simon Hodgson, in studio, who's in studio today with us. I won't say live in studio with us because I never interview someone who's dead in studio. So I think it's very important to drop the word live because it's rather obvious to my logic that he must be live and he's not lying at Avbob. 
And um, so my guest today is a very dear friend of my wife and I over many years. And his name is Simon, Simon Hodgson. A very, 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 three verys. Warm welcome to you, Simon. Thank you so much, uh, David. And uh, I'm excited to be here and very much alive, thankfully. I can hear that there's a, a joie de vivre, there's a buzz, there's a life, mm. there's a joy and a determination. So, Simon, of course... You are the founder of Love SA Music, and we'll be delving into that at great length. And I just think it's awesome how music shapes your life and mine to a very real extent. But um, the other day, I had the privilege of uh, being on Facebook. I'm not often on Facebook, but when my schedule allows, I am. And I saw some incredible photographs of your wedding. I, If you want to see wedding pictures where there's romance impregnated in the air. You need to look at Simon Hodgson's wedding pictures. But Simon, wow. for all our listeners, please just tell me about your darling wife and your kids. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, those wedding photos are unbelievably nine years old now, so uh, yeah, I'm looking a little bit older than I did in those, I think. Uh, my wife obviously is looking better. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been married for nine years. Wonderful. Yeah, and um, we've got a three-year-old son, Matt. Matthew and a one-year-old daughter Emily. So yes. it's just a, a wonderful little family. Yeah. Yes. And does music play? I mean, for example, can you? Do you enjoy silence, or do you find it's very important <laughs> that uh, you know our twin boys, age sixteen, Simon, when they're in the toilet, they need their tablet with them to play music while they're passing stools, which I've never quite understood. But uh, I like to rather be in the toilet in silence. Do you need music all the time in your home, in your lounge, in your car, in an aircraft? Or can do you like a balance between music and uh, silence? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's the, the way to put it, a balance. Uh, people normally laugh at me when I say I do listen to uh, talk stations as well as music stations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, music is music is an important part of our lives. You just have to think how you felt listening to that uh, new music from Jimmy Nevis as we came in. It brings brings some life out, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, silence is, is a good thing to build into your life, I think. What sort of balance would you recommend? In other words, one of the things which really disturbs me is that some people need music all the time. In other words, they can't think or have a glass of water without music. Um, you know, I've always told my students at WITS, where uh, I lecture 250 students each day, I tell them, Simon, that you need time. When you're doing applied math, certainly, you need time to chill. So you chill with music, but then you also need time to think, to be. Would you agree with me? Well, yeah, I don't know about the science you do, but uh, it's interesting because there's that um, there's that whole thing of playing classical music to your your unborn child uh, mm -hmm. while you're pregnant. So mm -hmm. there must be something behind it, and uh, so who knows? I mean, <laughs> you're the scientist, uh, Professor. Well, this is true, and I do know that the harmonics of Bach and the octaves and the fugues and so forth simply engender within one's psyche and even within the psyche of a newborn child, as you so beautifully say, that sense of calmness, of peace. Now, Simon, you are the founder of Love SA Music, and I just think that 
There are certain words that strike me as so important. First of all, to love the music, but then not to love USA music or love Parisian music, as good as those might be, but to love the music generated from the very shores of the vibrant South Africa. I'd love you to paint, as it were, with an artist's brush, to give us a bit of the history. How did you come to f- sort of how how did you come to start this Love SA music? What is Love SA music? Uh, give us a scenario as if painted by Van Gogh of how this dream actually started. And feel free to start right at the beginning. Go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> a love for music, I think. Um I had from from a very young age um, brought up uh, to appreciate music and to love music, and then I uh, became a musician myself, um, as did uh, other other siblings in my family, mm-hmm. um, some who who went on to pursue that full time, and and so there's I think there's been a natural appreciation and love for music in general um, from the from the beginning. Um, later on, um, being exposed to much of the South African music scene, um, I started picking up on. Um, just on the scene in general and uh, the industry around it, and developed um, a passion for for local music and the local music industry, um, and just seen how that it, how it's been growing. Uh, it was at that point that I just for fun started up a Facebook page, Love SA Music, which uh, had enormous traction straight away, uh, especially from the media. And so I picked up, it was at a time three years ago where there seemed to be a sudden growth spurt within the local music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we went onto Twitter and eventually it became a, a fully fledged website. Um, and that really exists still to this day to promote our amazing local uh, musicians and the industry as a whole and highlight what is going on. And then about a year ago, we added a new element to Love SA Music, and that is our live shows. Uh, so Tell us about those. Yeah, we wanted to just uh, get ourselves more um, more involved and um, get a little bit deeper down uh, into the industry and, and participate in it. And so um, we started finding out uh, who some of the most current popular artists at the moment are. Plus, mm-hmm. who are some of the uh, really promising up-and-comers and giving them – uh, platforms and opportunities to play And I, I must say it's been the most fun part Of Love SA Music Is putting on these live shows Getting uh, people who deeply appreciate local music mm. uh, Discovering new uh, talent That we have seen blossom um, And so that is the most fun uh, part That I've been having with this So Simon would this encompass All brands of SA Music In other words from bands To people like Hugh Masekela's music uh, you know, some of the giants, the singers, the jazz, the bands, because SA Music has a very, very broad spectrum. Does it encompass everyone within the realm or the umbrella of music in South Africa? Yeah, over the years we have profiled um, a wide variety of different genres of music. Um, and, you know, I don't think I've ever turned down anyone who's come to us looking for, for a platform. Um, but there has been a natural bias, I think, with the audience that I've grown uh, to the rock slash pop um, genres in general. And that's kind of where we've positioned our, our live shows at the moment. And how is South Africa generally doing? I mean, what is the state of the local music industry? Because... Specifically, I'd think of the music industry, for example, in famous places like um, Hollywood, like in New York, 
as in Canada, one thinks of Justin Bieber and just so many others. Uh, what, you know, here we are on the very tip of the African continent. And, you know, I suppose starting with Mr. Mandela and many others, um, but of course he led the way in 1994, you know, South Africa became a world focus, which is awesome. And that's why I'm still here. And my beloved students are here. Is there's this focus on South Africa, but uh, if you had to, you know, on a scale of naught to ten, and the international playing field, you know, let's say being at a nine or a ten in general, not not exclusively. So, um, how are we doing? Uh, what is the state? Uh, of the industry and the music industry uh, within the, uh, you know, encompassed by the shores mm. of the Grand South Africa. I really do believe that it's at one of the most exciting places that it's ever been. I think at, um, the, from what I can see looking over the history of local music, it's had its kind of waves and um, right now, I do think that it's it's definitely um, at one of its most exciting uh, times. It's probably at the time in, in in our history that is experiencing the most change, and that's internationally as well as locally, mm-hmm. uh, lots of change. Um, but I think it's at a very exciting point. I think um, there's over the past couple of years been some extraordinary talents uh, being found. And uh, so it's, it's, besides being a musician or an artist, there's also a great scope in the industry um, for others. So um, from, from you know, things like producers to uh, event organizers and um, promoters and venues and everything that goes along with, with the musician's success mm. um, seems, to, seems to be lifting, which is exciting. Mm. Uh, there, is a, there is challenges. So, um, you know, you look around and you find – the music shop that you've always loved uh, on in mm. the mall or on the corner mm. suddenly isn't there anymore. Mm. And, um, you know, you, you find in albums that have been sit on shelves for years and years, been trying to sh- be shifted for, for two rand. Mm. And mm. that's, you know, that's a, a difficult part of where the industry is, is at mm. the moment. Mm. Um, and we can talk more about how technology mm. has, has started mm. to play, mm. play a role. But I think we're at that stage where, where perceptions and, and feelings have to change. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think we're at a time locally where where local musicians are able to start making successes of themselves without um, what they used to think they need um, in terms of great uh, a great record deal or great management. Um, a lot of stuff can now be done uh, without that. So there, there's some significant changes, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Now, so, um, as you know, I was born in Krugersdorp, Mahali City, and uh, I just like to sort of go back to the years in which I grew up. And uh, certainly then, uh, you know, for example, we had the Beach Boys and many international bands. But uh, the state of the local music industry was thriving. I mean, I think of the music coming from the then Sophia Town mm. that was jazz at its very, very best. Uh are we able to? Yes, there mm. we go. I just think that there we Instantly go. Instantly recognizable, even after all these years. I mean, there we go. Duncan's Beautiful. just doing it for me. That is just, <laughs> it's South African. And it lifts your mood, right? It it's, lifts your yeah. mood. Give it to me, Simon. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just does it. I mean, I want to jump on the chairs. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I mean, my chemistry, Duncan, has suddenly changed and I'm rocking. So, you see, this is it. This was it. That when I grew up, but it, you know, Sophia Town and the music there from was just awesome, awesome, awesome. Three awesomes. But it was impossible to, uh, 
you know, to really promote this on a global stage. Yeah. Um, given, you know, that you and I can wish someone, you know, a happy birthday in the Antarctic or the Arctic. You know, Simon, I happened to be at 70 degrees north recently, and uh, we could communicate. I could communicate to, you know, my researchers across the world by means of um, technology, phones, computers, and so on. Um, that surely has helped the local industry, music industry tremendously. Can you sort of, you know, take us back to the days of traditional radio and the days of traditional going to your store and buying your records, as it were, long before the CD? Mm. And now, of course, there's been a huge change of technology, which I need not really elaborate on, but I know technology has affected my area, you know, of astronomy just in the most uh, dramatic way. How has technology really affected your area of music? Uh, tremendously in many different ways. Uh, the one uh, obvious way is that um, musicians and bands have had to uh, suddenly not rely on album sales because you and I both know that whatever music we want to find, we're going to be able to find, um, and there are many legal ways to find music uh, for, for relatively inexpensive, and on iTunes you can purchase one track at a time instead of an album. Mm-hmm. And so the whole notion of having to put an, a whole album together, which in many ways is also sad because that is a total expression of, of, of someone's creativity, mm-hmm. um, cannot be relied upon anymore. Mm-hmm. An artist certainly cannot rely on, on CD sales or album sales um, to to make their money anymore. Mm-hmm. So technology has played a major part there, and bands really need to get on get on board and get on the fo- on the front foot uh, in in using technology. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's bands such as uh, what Desmond and the Tutus did with their latest album mm-hmm. is actually only release one track at a time online, and so every time a new track comes out, it gets uh, you know the same relative amount of of attention. Um, but you're not going to be able to get that CD in your hand. You're going to have to go and get that get that online. And, and bands are going that way, and they're, they're going to need to go that way. Outside of that, uh, social media has played a significant mm, role. Tell uh, us about that. For everyone and for, for musicians. Mm-hmm. So um, social media has brought um, an artist or a musician um, exponentially closer to their fans than they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, so fans now have direct access through Twitter and so on uh, to their favorite artist. And that can be, um, you know, that has its pros and cons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, what I'm going to post on lovesamusic.co.za uh, after the show is Gangs of Ballet was the first South African band ever um, to release a music video exclusively on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. they've broken new ground and that's, that's, awesome. that's creative and that's using technology. And so they've released a music video uh, exclusively on Twitter. And bands, I think, um, you know, you see the ones that are good at social media and you see the ones that truly are not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is very easy for a fan to see if their favorite artist is the one behind uh, the tweets or if it is not. And uh, I really do believe that bands and musicians, in order to uh, gain maximum flavor from their fans, need to be personally connected uh, on social media. That's very interesting because, of course, when I think of this, Simon, you're listening to Professor David Block. I have the great privilege of interviewing Simon Hodson, the founder of Love SA Music. You can reach us in studio on 0861-555-189. The Twitter handle is at cliffcentral.com, Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat ID are all three 
at uh, Cliff Central. But of course, with music, Simon, there's always the celebrity status. And I mean, just in, and not so much in my area of astronomy, but certainly in the area of music and corporate speaking, you get your sort of celebrity status uh, people. And uh, I suppose that those people, by and large, uh, would be totally inaccessible. They would have people, uh, as it were, um, generating their tweets for them. Is that true? Yeah, you do definitely find um, certain um, members of the of the music industry having um, their content created for them. And I think that there can be a balance. I mean, I think that... Um, from a logistical point of view, sometimes that's necessary mm-hmm. uh, to have some management behind what's what's going out, and you definitely need some advice on on <laughs> on what you're throwing out there. Um, but I think fans, you know, things have changed. Um, I think celebrity things have changed. Yes, celebrity culture has changed, and I think fans aren't stupid; they can see through these things, and mm-hmm. they're looking for authentic relationship with their with their favorites um, artist mm-hmm. now of course things have changed so much i mean i think of the days of the record player and then i think of the days i grew up in simon of the um the cds and so forth and then of course the dvds but it's so sad for me in a sense to walk past one music shop after another here and in Australia, and see them closing down. In other words, everything is available simply online. But with this online availability also comes a total uh, disrespect or disregard for um, copyright. I know with my own talk, Simon, uh, copyright never seems to be an issue with some people, although mm-hmm. to academics it's the most serious of infringements. If I ever were to plagiarize anyone else's talk, I would be summarily uh, disciplined and dismissed as an academic. Mm. Is If someone took one of my ideas, or if I took their ideas rather, and didn't acknowledge the sources... Uh, and generated, and this has happened in my domain, uh, a paper which I claim to be mine or my idea, and it's not, I'd be summarily uh, disciplined, as I say, and dismissed. Um, now, of course, plagiarism and piracy, uh, you know, even on our streets, uh, are, is a huge, huge problem. And there's a question before us, you know, what is the best way that you, Simon, can suggest as the founder of Love SA Music to curb piracy, and then secondly, will piracy ever come to an end? Yeah, it's, it definitely is a, a tough um, subject within music because on the one hand, as an artist, you, you need to get your music out there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the fact that it's out there and the fact that people might be stealing it is, you know, that's one thing, but it, at least the music's getting out there. Um and abandoned artist knows these days that that's not where they're going to make uh, their money anyway. Their money has to be made on on live shows primarily on touring. So, I don't personally think mm-hmm. that piracy is ever going to come to a specific end. I think that um, it's sad and and it's, it disrespects the creativity of a band or artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, bands bands 
uh, do get creative. Short Straw, um, what they did last year ahead of the release of yes. their, their brand new album, yes. is is released uh, that you can go and listen to their tracks for a limited time for free. And then uh, that was pre the the launch of the album. And then uh, once you had the opportunity to listen, it gave you the opportunity to buy. So that's been creative, and that's um, you know trying to work around it. But uh, yeah, it, it remains with us, and I think it's it's um, it's changed the industry uh, yes. probably for the negative. Simon, uh, we are just going to uh, take a short break in a second. You are listening to Professor David Block. I'm interviewing. I have the great joy of interviewing Simon Hodgson, the founder of Love SA Music. You can reach us live in studio on 0861 We welcome your calls. We welcome your tweets. Reach us at cliffcentral.com on Instagram. Uh, if you really enjoy using Instagram, uh, use the Cliff Central link on Facebook, Cliff Central, the WeChat ID, Cliff Central. Now, we're going to play a special little cut. I know our audio engineer, Duncan, has got this ready. And this cut is um, dedicated to my twin boys, our twin boys, Nathaniel Block, and Tevia Block, named by Nelson Mandela. And I want to dedicate it because I know they are listening as we speak. Jump, rock to the following. So you are listening to Professor David Block, and I'm just enjoying today's broadcast so much because global streaming so much, because it's on the cutting edge of technology, Gareth Cliff's dream to unstream, uncensor, and unradio. I'm ably assisted by uh, our audio engineer, Duncan, who's seated to my right. And seated opposite me is our dear friend and guest, the founder of Love SA Music, Simon Hodgson. Another question we've had, Simon, is this. Professor, if you compare the Billboard Top 40 songs for the past 20 years, you will find something interesting. And what you will find is that the length of the music has become shorter the length of the music has become shorter and the lyrics have become less meaningful and the messages have become, are being put out there, which are being put out there, have no real deep significance or importance. Your comments, please. Yep, very astute observation. Um, and I think <laughs> on the whole that that is true. Um, I know that research was done recently about um, the average length of a song that people actually pay attention to, uh, in other words, before switching to another radio station or, or you know, tuning out, mm-hmm. um, which, I, if I recall correctly, is in the region of only two minutes. Uh-huh. So I think people are getting a shorter and shorter um, attention span, and I think that's also got to do with just the culture that we're in and the instant gratification type of culture that exists, uh, you know, with tweets only being allowed to be 160 characters and so on. Right. Um, people, people's mem- uh, attention spans are shorter, and in terms of the depth of the lyrics, I, th- I think, I it's think it's worrying, isn't it? Yeah. 
I mean, I was thinking back to some of those songs from, from growing up that for me it was Counting Crows. And, you know, those are kind of classics that you always remember and they're just like those amazing songs that will yes, always be with absolutely. us. Um, and yeah, there does, you know, there does tend to appear to be a bit of a shallowness, uh, which could just reflect the culture, I think. But doesn't it also reflect, Simon, the brain cells? Or the activity or non-activity of our neurophysiological processes because mm. there are certain songs when I listen to on radio, for example, in the car, which don't really carry any sense. They've got a beat, mm. but they're not really, I don't know, the Beach Boy days to me, perhaps I'm old fashioned, <laughs> but they seem to at least carry a sense of excitement of human life and excitement of surfing and no swearing was needed and it seemed to carry me, I don't know, yeah. as a teenager into a realm just of good Clean fun. Yeah, uh, I'm not always sure that's happening today. Is that true with the lyrics? Yeah, with the, well, I, th- I think it's just it just comes down to um, you know some some artists choose to go the route of this is their art and they will express yes. their creativity no yes. matter what. And then you get artists who actually just write for radio because the the primary objective is to get something that's going to work for them mm-hmm. on radio. And so I guess any artist is going to face this um, balancing act. They they're going to have to eventually just choose. Uh, either uh-huh. they're a, a very serious artist who wants to put, uh, create their own music no matter what. And then those who, who are forging a career and need to uh, also appeal to a certain degree of the masses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a question here to you, a thought to you from Nathaniel, Nathaniel Block, our 16 year, one of our 16 year old twins who's following us live on air and, um, live on the global stream, Cliff Central. And he says, um, He would like to add, and he'd like your thoughts, Nathaniel Wood, that a lot of people these days concentrate on the beat. And if the beat is catchy, people will just like it more and they'll rock. Mm. And uh, he'd like your comments on that point. And then his second point is DJs nowadays are huge. And so words, perhaps are not important to some people anymore. So two questions there, the one on the beat and the one on DJs. Mm. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you, Nathaniel. Hello. Uh, I think the two questions basically lead into each other uh, in that DJ culture has grown just as as much as as the general music culture has grown, which is wonderful. Um, I think that the growth of both of those sides of the industry is very positive and uh, has been great. And, uh, yeah, I, I think really it comes down to just, um, personal preference. So a beat will certainly appeal to, you know, many, many people. Yes. Uh, regardless of, uh, you know, you probably won't even hear what's happening behind that beat, uh, in terms of lyrics and so on. Sometimes there aren't even lyrics. So, I, I for me, I, I'm just going to say that it's a, it's a matter of a person's personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm personally excited about the growth of the DJ industry mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about beats, I can't resist but ask Duncan to play something with a real Sophia Town vibe with good. Mm. There we go. Simon, good, good, good vibe and beat.
Well, even my toes have been rocking, Simon, uh, just vibrating, and my whole being. My, that can only happen in South Africa, surely. That's so true. I mean, there's just something just so local, isn't there? So ethnic about ethnic music. Yeah, just, I mean, for, for listen, for Professor's toes to be resonating and moving up and down in studio, <laughs> something good must be happening. Mm-hmm. Now, Simon, please tell us, you know, I remember growing up, of course, and here I'm giving my age away, in the years of great festivals like the Beatles, they would have these huge uh, festivals, and even the hippies, of course, they'd have their own, um, you know, gargantuan festivals. But is there a rise? I mean, this is really outside my domain of expertise. Is there a rise? Can you take us through a talking about the rise of uh, festival celebrations in our country, South Africa? Yeah, I really, that is something that I've noticed and that I'm loving is that there certainly has been a rise in the prominence of really excellent uh, music festivals. So, um, Opi Kopi celebrated, uh, along with the rest of the country, their 20th uh, festival last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that's kind of the, the, the biggest, I suppose, and, uh, most well known. Um, but over the years, uh, new festivals have been emerging, um, that have just been awesome. So there's, there's things like Rock in the Daisies and, uh, Up the Creek. And then just, uh, in the past few years, um, a small local a festival called Mo Rocks uh, out at the Cradle of Humankind has started emerging. Uh, an, an, an unpretentious, uh, what I feel is just a, a real down-to-earth festival that has come through. And um, this past New Year's Eve, a brand new festival um, outside of Cape Town called Electric Vines uh, took place on a wine farm, which was uh, apparently a, a huge success. Mm-hmm. What, the thing that I think um, is given way for this is, uh, A the sudden lack of good quality music venues. Uh, so we've seen um, our music venues, specifically here in Johannesburg, um, closing down all over the place and uh, leaving bands with um, a question mark of where we're going to play, where we're going to tour, and uh, that really is the, the lifeblood of any local band. Why are they closing down, Simon? It's such a good question and something that I've, you know, that's a question I ask many of the bands I, <laughs> I interview. I'm, I'm keen to find out why. Um and I, I just really don't know. There's a couple that are really excellent, but a band can only play so many times per month at the same venue mm-hmm. uh, because of, of the audience that they need to attract. Mm-hmm. What it has given way to is new creativity in terms of where to play. Um, so you have to step outside of your normal uh, club setting and think, uh, where can I create an event around my show? Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I use that is different? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why I think these festivals um, have just picked up a new momentum. Aside from that, I think there's something about South Africa and being outside, being outdoors. Mm, um, very good. I love yeah, that thought. Yeah. It's, mm. I mean, for me and my family, you know, I want to see my favorite band outside where we can all be together. It's not in a, in a, a dingy club. And um, you can enjoy the outdoors and the music at the same time. So shows that happen in parks and uh, in the gardens, Kirstenbosch and um, mm-hmm. and uh, botanical gardens mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Um, they're just wonderful experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think they are, um, and their family yeah, too, for the family as well. Um, so I think um, the venue situation has made way for uh, bands to really get creative and even create uh, events just around themselves, you know, around uh, what they would like to to um, put out as an experience for their fans who want to come and see them. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. I just love that the family experience. I mean, I think that was the case in Sophia Town, wasn't it, Duncan? Is that it was a family. It was coming together. It was enjoying yeah. the vibe together. And more thoughts and questions are coming to me on my mobile. And please ask Simon Hodgson the following. Again, interestingly enough, from Nathaniel. And he says here, um, you know, Simon, being a musician yourself and starting your company, Love SA Music, what do you think will happen to the future of music in terms, what do you personally think will, hap- will be popular in, say, 10 or 20 years' time? Hmm. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a difficult one a difficult to one. predict, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he elaborates like when you were young. You would never have thought that rap and hip-hop would become so popular. And people, of course, didn't think that certain genres would come back. And now people like Matthew Mole are bringing back uh, India, you know, music, yeah. which is just so different and so different from the past and so on. And I suppose I never thought that I'd watch television and, uh, you know, see these guys, uh, you know, rapping and hip hop and so on. So to predict the future is just so yeah. difficult, just like in astronomy. But your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, I think, um, it is difficult to, to predict. And, um, there's obviously the local, uh, at the, at the moment, there's, there's the, um, the popular indie folk um, is is quite prominent. Yes, uh, which you wouldn't have been able to pre- yes. predict a few years ago. Yes, that's what Nathaniel yeah. is saying. Yeah, um, and it makes way for new artists that you would never have mm-hmm. imagined to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, I mean it's harder. There's uh, there are the certain solid genres which seem to stick like like uh, rock, um, mm-hmm. which which seem to you know I think there's a few big categories that stick. But uh, I think it's exciting. I mean, you know, you don't know what's you know even in five years from now who you're going to be listening to and what you're going to be it's enjoying. It's true. It's true. That's the that's the joy of it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's much like romance. You know, I think of it again. You must tell me how people can watch, uh, view those incredible photos of your your wedding photographs with dear Taryn. Because to me, there's the romance and it develops and it's just like a romance for music. But I'd like contact details for Love SM Music. Uh, I'd like a Twitter handle. I'd like you to tell listeners about your webpage. I'd like listeners to be able to find those incredible wedding pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wedding pictures aren't on uh, my Love SM Music page. But no, hopefully <laughs> not. But you, tell me where... I mean, yeah. I saw them the other day and I thought, you know, I thought to myself... If ever there's love, it's depicted in these photographs. There was love. Um, you were just gently caressing Taryn, but not too much, <laughs> not too little. There was, she was giving you a tiny peck. It wasn't a very deep peck, Duncan. It was just a tiny peck. And there was uh, a degree of suspense, <laughs> the enigma, wow. the majesty of the moment. That's why I'm telling the world, look at these. Pictures. Uh, I do hope to <laughs> listen to that. That was well explained. Um, my love, my love is say music is, uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. And all of those are at love essay music. Okay. And then the website is easy. It's love essay music.co.za. Okay. And the pictures. Uh, they'd yeah. have to go to your where your Facebook page. Yeah, I suppose if you Simon invite Hodgson, me as a friend, yeah, <laughs> you'd have to invite Simon as a friend, but not yeah. too many friends. Yeah, you'll find it there. <laughs> but that's just awesome. So Simon, we're just rocking around the clock, as it were. And you know, the question really is, I suppose, Simon, is that. Is it possible? And after this question, we will have a short music break again. Some of the great vibes from our country. Uh, Professor David Block interviewing uh, Simon Hodgson. What a great guest today. Filled with vibrance and rocking around the clock. 
with Simon Hodgson, the founder of Love SA Music. And it helps me in a very real sense also to look up today. See, music does it for the professor. Music really does it. But, of course, I understand that, you know, for example, doing sound at a church might not be full-time or, you know, playing at certain events might just be a pastime but not a full-time a salary to support your wife uh, your children, private schools, or whatsoever. Uh, Simon, is it possible to, for bands, who are good, of course, to actually do this as a full-time calling and earning not the salaries of Hollywood, but a salary large enough to make it worthwhile to, to do full-time? Yeah, I really do believe that it is, and... um that's my encouragement to to those trying to get into the music industry, both as um, artists, but uh, also those who are in the support realms of the industry. Like I said, there's just been so much growth all around in the in the industry that there's there's just opportunities um, all over the place for people to get themselves involved. And I really do believe um, that as an artist in this country, that can be what you do full time. Mm. Um, and and so. Oftentimes I just find a perception and a kind of a, a musician just giving up and, and, and thinking that it will never happen. Uh, but there have been certain, you know, there certainly have been uh, examples of musicians who it comes down to choosing is, is this what you want to do with your life? Right. Um, right. and going for that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it, it takes sacrifice mm. and it, mm. and it takes tough decisions. Mm. But I think you do get to a point as a band. Um, or an artist that you've got to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, what are you going to leave behind and what are you going to actually give the rest mm-hmm. of your life to? And um, there are most certainly examples locally of, of mm-hmm. musicians who are able to do that. Mm. Now, of course, Simon, um, you probably would know this, but I don't spend a huge amount of time in front of the television, but there are many young people who do. And, uh, and many people who do. Now, of course, there are many famous shows on television. One thinks of shows, for example, in the States and elsewhere in Britain, where um, it's sort of almost like an idol-type experience, talent shows and so forth. Um, and, you know, I often think that people watch me, for example, in the realm of my field of expertise, and they think, wow, it's just, you know, applied maths is just fun. It's just so easy until they actually try and do it themselves. And then it becomes a totally different story. In other words, they suck at it. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, they really suck at it. I mean, even people who suck at applied maths would say those people really suck at it. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's some people who think they're very good, for example, at singing, but um, they cause me to vomit and mm. to rush for Valoid. <laughs> um, you know, even Gareth's faith just freezes and, um, yeah. you know, I can see diarrhea developing in his psyche. <laughs> um, do these shows do any good for the local populace? Because let's be honest, very, very few mm. actually really become that famous in terms of, you know, God-given talent. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Cliff Center himself, um, I'm sure Gareth uh, has, has his opinion on this as well. Um, we actually did a, a investigative piece on our blog uh, a little while ago mm-hmm. when, when Idols went on to their season 10. Just to look back and, and see what happened to these contestants and how many of them have made it in the industry and how many haven't. Um, and it's not just Idols. It's also shows like um, Essay's Got Talent and so on. Um, and 
you know, there are the there are artists who've who've been able to make it for themselves. There's those who took that opportunity mm-hmm. uh, that was presented to them on these massive platforms um, and made a career out of it. So for me, locally. Um, Heinz Winkler stands out as someone. He was yes. our very first idol, yes. and uh, all these years later, he still um, managed to carve a solid place for himself in the industry. Mm-hmm. Him and Elvis Blue were both very clever in crossing over into a different market, the Afrikaans market. I know, weren't they incredible? So I think I that's know. yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Um, and then there were those that just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yes, many just like them. my students who might just <laughs> think they're here. going to be bodding, budding professors of relativity, you know, yes. to outdo Albert Einstein and they just disappear. Yep. Is that happening in the music realm, Simon? So the, the, the problem that I have with some of these shows is I think it creates too much of a immediate hop around the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the platforms are just massive. They get mm-hmm. these outstanding, um, fan bases, ovations um, and so on. And so mm-hmm. on. And it's all coming at them. And then they've got to step out of that into a real world of working in the industry, you know, playing in half-empty clubs where nobody's actually caring that they're there. And so I kind of think it's in many ways the wrong way around. Um, I think it would be better for a a musician who has been carving a place for himself for a number of years Mm. to then get um, something like the opportunity that that these shows give. Um, and then continue or put in place a really solid mentorship system within them. But I think that sudden fame uh, that nobody has prepared them for can be detrimental. On the other hand, there are the, there are those that have taken, you know, and I think those are the serious ones who took that opportunity and, uh, and went forward with it. Uh, Simon, percentage wise, I mean, if we were to take the idols, for example, or, you know, a show overseas, and percentage-wise, would you say relatively few can actually cope with that sudden sense of fame, celebrity status? If you're a guy, people just falling at your feet, as it were, guys and girls, and just almost worshipping you as an mm. idol. I remember that uh, Carl himself had uh, great um, transitional challenges to make. Um what percentage of people, very few, can actually cope with sudden celebrity status? Is it like that in your field as well? Yeah. yeah speaking in, in the local field, I, I don't think that the majority of them do. Um, so that's really where my issue lies with it is is what happens when that person steps off the show yes. um, and the show wraps up and continues with whatever else they've got to do, but the artist is left there. Yes, um, I know. And so even, I mean, outside of, of shows like that, um, some of our local artists have shot to extraordinary fame um, mm-hmm. through through a debut album or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Who is who's there helping them through that that process of of the sudden uh, love and adoration of, of thousands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coping with any celebrity status, coping with any high-profile status in the public is something which I think Nelson Mandela just did so well, is that he remained so accessible, so humble. He named our twin boys. Mm. We had tea with him. Uh, Katie Catapodis was with us. And it was just awesome just to sit down and understand that here was a man uh, almost worshipped around the world, and yet he had time for everyone. He never became arrogant. He was just the Mr. Mandela, mm. the Nelson Mandela we all knew. And I think that's a great encouragement to follow should one ever wish to enter any sort of domain where fake um, fame or temporary fame may, may be at stake. Now, you are listening to Simon Hodgson. 
uh, the founder of Love SA Music. This is Professor David Block, and we have got five minutes to wrap up now. So just between this and the last question to Simon, we're going to be asking uh, Duncan, our audio engineer, to put us again in some really good rockin' mood. Well, Simon, you know, I have to ask you this question, interviewing Simon Hodgson, founder of Love SA Music. Have we lost us? I mean, here I am rocking. I don't know what it is, but it gets me going. Have we lost the sort of, you know, that's how I grew up. How have we lost us? Yeah. It's kind of you feel like you should be in the streets and it's like That's everybody's right. gathered. Yes. Yeah. There's it. Yes. Yeah, there's a, yes. It, it reminds me of, um, being at the, at the cliff, cliff, um, central rocks Christmas oh, last yes. year. Yes. And uh, the Wedo gospel choir came out. I mean, it just, it, there's something about it. It lifts it to another level. And right. I can't imagine anybody sitting and not, um, absolutely loving this. In fact, I'm just looking on my Twitter. I've just yes. got, um, followed by yes. a, a local band called Rubber Duck. Yes. Uh, so shout out to them if they've been listening. Wow. But I love here wow. it says the description is folk hop, folk swing trio. Guess what? We got a little brass. Wow. And you know, oh, it just reminds you, awesome. I think there might be something coming back, just uh, adding something different to your standard, um, you know, your standard band. And, um, yeah, but I mean, this, this does make you want to get up and dance, I know. Well, there you have. Uh, Simon Hodgson, the founder of Love SA Music, and you, if you are an inspired young band, a group of people, and you are born with a dream, born with a vision, and you would like your band to be exposed uh, locally, contact Simon Hodgson. You've got all his contact details already. You can tweet him, Love SA Music. You can follow him on Facebook. But Simon, it's been a singular joy talking to you today, delving into the world of something which helps me to look up on a moment-by-moment basis. In the last sort of 30 seconds, and that's all we have before we wrap up with music, anything exciting to look out for this year? Yeah, there's so much happening uh, as we continue to grow, um, but some of the the bands and artists that I think are, are worthy of looking out for this year include... Um, Matthew Moll's under a lot of pressure. He's coming out with his second album. Now, he did extraordinarily well uh, with that first album. He's back with his second album, so mm-hmm. a lot to live up to. I'd mm-hmm. look out for for Matthew Moll. Mm-hmm. There's a, an artist uh, coming through called Majosi, who I've got my eyes on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the well-knowns, like the Polytones and, and Prime Circle and stuff, are making a, a good comeback. And, um, yep, there's a whole lot. Jeremy Loops, Howie Combrink, there's too many to mention. Excellent. Simon, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being alive with us, not dead, on Cliff Central. Professor David Block signing out with some incredible vibe. Thank you so much. Keeping it real on